Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Today's readings are all pointing us towards two things. The words that we speak and the actions that we do. And the first reading that we read today uh, in liturgy from St. Paul's Epistle, chapter 4, first, first Epistle of the Corinthians, chapter 4, St. Paul is telling us, let us, let every man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. God has given us mysteries and he is expecting us to be stewards of them. We're explaining in the introduction to the readings that a steward is someone to whom has been entrusted something and it's been entrusted him for him to distribute it faithfully. The most important characteristic of a steward is faithfulness. Like, um, sometimes uh, when you're interviewing f uh, for a, a, a position, um, if you're interviewing people or if you're being interviewed, it's very helpful to ask yourself, what is the most important characteristic or, or personality trait or that, that we're looking for or that they're looking for if you're the one being interviewed? The most important thing in a steward, doesn't matter how smart the steward is, how knowledgeable the steward is, how kind or gentle, well-mannered, that's not, that's not what's important. What's important, I mean, it's important, it's nice. It's nice if people do things with good, -mannered and good manners and they're gentle and they're kind and so on. But what is the most important thing is faithfulness, is that the steward is not going to take what was entrusted him or her and run off with it and do with it what they weren't supposed to be doing with it, right? And then St. Paul goes and he says to them that we have, we have really, we've done everything for you, right? He says, we're fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor working with our own hands, being reviled we bless, being persecuted we endure, being defamed and so on. And he's saying we do all of this for your sake. Why? That we might bring you the word of salvation. That we might bring you the word of salvation. Look at that example of St. Paul. In the second reading was from St. Peter's epistle and St. Peter was saying to us that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there are also false teachers among you. Notice he says something, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Sometimes people get frustrated reading the Bible and they say, because there's many interpretations. I'm sorry, the church would disagree. There are not many interpretations. There is one interpretation, which is the interpretation of the church, like the church as a whole, the common collective, like not necessarily the, the St. Moses and St. Catherine's church, right? And scripture was not intended for private interpretation. It says it right here, black and white. No scripture is of any private interpretation. That's not, the, the idea is not, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't read the Bible in, in, in private and at home. That's not at all what that means. That means that I should read scripture and I should read the Bible 
through the lens of the church, through the eye of the church, through all of what the church has taught me in the life of the church. And that's why this idea that I can run off into the Amazon forest and read the Bible and meet God and find Him is, is contrary. It's contrary to Scripture. It's contrary to the book that I want to run off into the Amazon and read. The church is here for you and for me to, to, to be our mother, to guide us, to teach us, to take us by the hand and to lead us, right? Then in the, in, 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 in the gospel, Jesus says something. Jesus heals somebody and he casts out a demon and they say he's casting out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons and so on. And then Jesus says something. He says that every sin will be forgiven except for blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. We're not going to talk too much about that. But after that he says, either make a tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. He's telling us that people will know us and we could know ourselves. People will know us and we can know ourselves by our actions, by what we do. In another place, in another place, Jesus says, does a grapevine bear figs or does an olive tree bear, bear grapes? No, an olive tree brings olives, a grapevine brings grapes. A tree is known by its fruit. You could look at a tree and have no idea what kind of tree this is. I have a fruit tree in my backyard. We bought this house a year ago. We have a fruit tree in our backyard um, and I have no idea what kind, of, what kind of tree it is. I'll tell you at the end of the summer, right? I'll know if it brought forth crab apples or if it brought forth pears or I'll tell you. I don't know what it is, but I'll know. How will I know? By its fruit. I'll know by its fruit. A lot of trees, if you look at their leaves, they look very similar. I'm not an arborist. Maybe I'm confessing my, my, my ignorance. But leaves, they look all the same to me. You know? Yeah, sure, like oak trees have very particular leaves and some trees have very particular leaves. But for the most part, most trees, most leaves, they look very similar. But you will know them by their fruit. What is it, what is it in particular that is so distinguishing about God? What's so distinguishing about God is that He doesn't treat us based on our merit. He treats us based on His character. Like, I do something good, God does something good for me. I do something bad, God does something good for me. I do something stupid, God does something good for me. I do something smart, God does something good for me. What is distinguishing about God is that He is always good. Kind of like the fruit tree in my backyard. If I go to the fruit tree in my backyard and I bless it and I praise it and I sing songs to it, it's still going to bring me pears at the end of the season. If I tell it, oh, how beautiful of an apple tree you are, and I go there and I sing it songs from here to here, it's going to do what it's going to do because what it's going to do is part of its nature. It's, that's its nature, is to do that. So what is your nature? God's nature is to be good. So He does good regardless of who we are or what we do. He treats us well. Jesus says He makes the sun rise upon the good 
and the evil. He makes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. And then, he, then Jesus tells us, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He doesn't mean here to be perfect as in like to be a flawless or without sin. That's another story for another day. How Christ makes us flawless and without sin in His grace and being in Him we are perfect and complete. That's a story for another day. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, don't be partial. Don't be partial. Just be yourself. Your colleague at work is a jerk, be nice to him. Why? Because you're a nice person. Don't be reactive. It's like a cliche, don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. Be the person who changes their environment, not the person who is changed by their environment. Pardon the cliche. Now, tell you a story. When I was a little kid, I'd go and play in the park. Usually, uh, you know, my parents would send me with my sister or something. One day, my dad came. My dad, I love my dad. I've learned so much from him. So, my dad comes to the park with me. Some little kid hits me, so I hit him back. Kid says something bad to me, so I say something bad to him. So my dad grabs me by the arm, takes me, pulls me aside. And he says to me, do you like playing with other children? I said, yes, I do. He says, so stop hitting them and saying bad things to them. I said, why? He started it. He said, doesn't matter who started it. It matters that the other parents are going to see you hitting other kids. And they're going to say, I don't want John to play with my kid. My kid. He's going to hit him or he's going to say bad things to him. And then they're going to learn bad things from John. I don't want my kid to play with John. I said, but it's not fair. He hit me first. And he told me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who started it. It matters what are you going to do about it. Right? Because what you do, my dad would tell me, says something about who you are. And what you say says something about who you are. Nobody's looking at everybody else. They're looking at you. And they're going to associate your actions and your words with you, not with some other guy. Right? When somebody sees me cursing and swearing in my car, they're not thinking, oh, somebody cut him off. They're thinking, what a jerk. Right? They don't, we don't suddenly assume that this person was wronged or the victim of some deep injustice. Unfortunately, we don't always give people the benefit of the doubt. I learned something. My dad was, my dad was, was, was preaching the end of Matthew 5 to me. He was telling me to be impartial. He was telling me to be myself, my true self. Be the person you want to be, not the person that other people are making you out to be. Because what you say and what you do, my dad would tell me, speaks to who you are. And people are going to draw conclusions based on that. It always tell me, respect yourself and people will respect you. But it starts, it starts with you. Who is, who is my dad who is my dad telling me about? Who was he inadvertently describing? God. God. Look at my relationship with God. One day I'm faithful, one day I'm not. One day I'm nice, one day I'm not. One day I remember him, one day I forget about him. But he is always good. And that's what he's calling you to be and for me to be. In two very particular things. Our actions, which we've spoken a lot about, and our words. Jesus says some words that we should all take with deep respect. If this don't put the fear of God in you, I don't know what will. 
But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'll tell you something. We have been given a great, a great gift, all of us. It's this thing that lives right behind my teeth, between my upper palate and my lower one. My tongue. With our tongues, Saint James says, we can we can bless God and bless people. With our tongues, we can cause so much havoc. Saint Saint James says, "What what a great forest fire a little fire can kindle." All it takes is to just say one thing in the office or amongst a circle of friends. Or did you know that so and so? That's enough, right? To start an avalanche, right? To start a wildfire, right? By our tongues, we have the opportunity to do so much good. Many years ago, I noticed something that Saint Paul's partner in crime, his best buddy. His name was Barnabas. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. For some reason, as I was reading that many years ago, ten years ago or something, I started thinking about all of the people who have been particularly encouraging to me in life. And then I realized something: it didn't cost any of these people anything to encourage me, other than a little bit of thoughtfulness. And the amount of positive. Output that they got on the return of the, like the return on investment for them was really high, was really high. So then, when I started to become in a like a like a you know a management position, you know little by little growing in my previous career, I realized that the best thing I can do for my own work, for my own group of people that I am responsible for, for my own name. In, in, in the in, in the business in the hospital, I, I worked in the hospital, right? Is to actually encourage the people that I work for, never to blame them, correct them, yes, teach them, yes, gently, kindly, but encourage them, give them a word that pushes them up. Always put them forward when we work on something together. Always say.、Um, Instead of saying my team did such and such, say Martina and the team did such and such. Everybody knows they're my team. That's that's already understood. The fact that I'm introducing the presentation says that it's work we've done. They worked so hard on it. It was an honor and a privilege for me to support them. I learned so much from them. These are the people who are subordinate to me. It costs me nothing. It costs me nothing, and it goes such a long way. And so many people, so many people, I have to say, I am indebted. So many people have done that for me. I'm not paying it forward. I'm paying it back. I'm paying it back. So many people have encouraged me so much along the way. The least I can do is encourage others. A word of encouragement. You'll notice. I'll finish with this in the liturgy. We oftentimes use these two、uh, props, shall we say? Right. What are they? This is a cross. You know, it's like a little fancy, right? But it's a cross at the end of the day, and this. Is a silver encased gospel, a decorated gospel. 
All it has in it is, it's supposed to, it's the New Testament, but it, all it's supposed to be a gospel, just the four, the first four books of the New Testament. That's all that this is. Why? What are we doing with these things? This is the cross, which is a, a remind, it's reminding us of what? Of that cross, which is a little bit more explicit, which is reminding us of, of what? Of, you know, 200 and, I can't, I can't do the math, right? But like just under 2,000 years ago, 20, 2017 minus 33 years ago, right? When Jesus died on the cross for me. What's that all about? It's simple. It's just one very simple thing. Love. He loved me to the death. That's it. That's all that is. So when we hold this up, when, when the deacon holds this up, by the way, almost every time the deacon says a response in the, in the, in the, b before the creed, the deacon is supposed to be holding the cross. It's an old, old practice. Nobody does it anymore. But anyways, why? He's holding the cross because he's, he's saying to you, when he says, stand up for prayer, he's telling you, Jesus died for you. Stand up for prayer. Jesus died for you. Listen to the Holy Gospel. Jesus died for you. Give thanks and pray in the prayer of thanksgiving. And so on. He's telling us in, in, in the modern vernacular as a colloquialism, for the love of God, stand up for prayer. Literally, not as an expression. Because God loves you, stand up for prayer. Or whatever commandment he's saying. This is just simply, all, all this is, is love, but in action, not in deed. Jesus didn't sit on a throne and tell us, I love you, I love you. Come to me one day, I love you. He came to us and died for us. That's all this is. So the deacon is holding this up to remind us of the, the, the active love of God. The love of God in action, in deed. What's this? This is the word of salvation. This is the word by which I have been saved. So, at the end of the liturgy, we have Holy Communion. At the end of raising of incense, the service that comes before the liturgy, and the evening before and the morning of, we pray this 25-minute service called Raising of Incense. The congregation, the priest presents before the congregation the, gospel, the cross and the gospel. The love of Christ for you, and the gospel, the word of salvation. And the congregation comes and they bow their heads before it and they kiss it. They kiss it not out of, um, it's not out of like some ritual. No, they come as an act of love. An act of love. Lord, as you have loved me, I love you. And they kiss the word of salvation. By this word, I have been saved. By this word, I have been saved. The Orthodox Church is very simple. Everything we do has a reason, and that reason is usually something really, really simple that even a, a three-year-old can understand. Even, even my two-and-a-half daughter knows that a kiss is, is an expression of love, of affection. She's two-and-a-half, and she gets it. I am giving... You have expressed your affection towards me. Lord, I am expressing my affection in return towards you. We see actions and words. Actions and words. 
That's what God is calling us to be faithful in. That's what God is calling you and me to be faithful in. Our actions and our words. That our actions and our words, Lord Jesus Christ, this coming week and forevermore, but let's just start with baby steps. This coming week, Lord, might be things that build people up, that build my spouse up, that build my children up, that build my family up, that build my neighbors up, that build my friends up, that build my colleagues up, that build my business or corporation or whoever I work for up. Let my words be words that build, not words that destroy. Words that bring peace, not words that bring separation. Words that bring encouragement and love and strength, not words which bring weakness to others. Please, Lord, give us to be faithful in our words and faithful in our actions, to be impartial to the universe around us, to treat our world the way you treat us, with goodness all the time, in every way. Glory be to God forever and ever, men. I have sinned, forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me. And the wisdom of God,